And so, Jeff here, we, we could have started this podcast five minutes, five, ten minutes ago, but no, Jeff insists on using his Bible to look up a verse instead of using his phone. He's still kind of the old-fashioned way. He's flipping pages. and so I, I didn't know what word search. You know, phone, well, you got to do a word search type of thing you know, to know what. You can still there. scroll through the books and chapters yeah, and but, verse. But it's easier to do it. The, uh, just oh, the way they drag did it. you into the 21st century. The way they century. did it back in Bible times. You know? street. Okay, that's not the way the Apostle Paul did Thank it. Thank you for know. listening to the Fields Brothers Show. Well, welcome. I'll find the verse some other time here, but uh, welcome to the Fields Brothers Show podcast. I am Jeff Fields here with my brother, Roger. We are coming to you from central Kentucky, beautiful central Kentucky. It is gorgeous yeah, this time of year. Guy, Everything yeah. is greened up, and uh, we are glad that you are uh, have chosen to listen to this podcast where we um, talk about the grace of God and life on this side of the cross. Um, Roger says we're recovering pastors with no record of scandal. I like to use the term pastor of reverse discipleship. We help folks unlearn some of the things that uh, keep us from experiencing the grace of God. And that reminds me, you're going to say something. Well, yeah, but go ahead. I mean, I'll let you go ahead. I mean, I'm going to, you, you mentioned how beautiful it is right now. I was yeah. going to talk about Kentucky for a second. I mean, how okay, about that ahead. derby? Oh, yeah. How yeah, that, about that? That was incredible. Yeah, now, guess, here's what I tell people about the Kentucky. For, before we even get into this race in particular. Yeah, if there's, yeah, any, yeah. Pod, if there's yeah. any grace-based podcast yeah. that should talk about the right. Derby, it's us. it should be us. Now, yes, since before we even get into the race itself, I like to tell people, I mean, we have a two-minute <laughs> event in Kentucky that draws 150,000 people, not to mention that it goes around the world on television. And so I say to people, can can your state do that? Can that you one. pull off a two minute event and get one hundred fifty thousand people? No, I bet you can't. But we have, and we've been doing it for years in Kentucky. Does anyway, the, the the Belmont race in New York, and then the Preakness in Baltimore? They don't get one hundred fifty thousand people. I was guessing that. No, they don't. Right on that. No, so the they Derby. A, they get a big crowd, but not is, that big. Yeah, no, nothing, nowhere near that big. Yeah. So anyway, so we, we're going to talk about this, this particular race. This was a. Um, let me tell you what I know about it. You okay. tell me what. All right. Okay, first of all, not only was this horse an eighty to one, you know, long shot. Yeah, the horse was not in the race until Friday. Right. The, I guess the day before. Yeah, the race. Uh, yeah, the, the okay. I guess there's only room for twenty. I mean, yeah. full disclosure here: neither one of us really know much about horses, even though we're grew up. I have here in owned horse horses, Jeff, on the farm, not, not well, race horses, but they were. Horses. I repeat, neither one of us. Oh, okay. Know much all right. Well, yeah. All right. In terms well. of racing horses, okay, and things racing like that, horse. okay, and all, all that right. goes into that. How many? How many? How many horse races? How many times have you been to an actual horse race? Um, I've been once. One day in my I, life, I, I went think, to a horse I think race. Once, yeah. Okay. All right. Day. Okay. So but I okay. read. It's like. <laughs> You know, it's like I don't. You don't have to be a meteorologist to know it's raining outside. Right. You don't have to be an expert on horses. I just to want to make sure things. people don't okay. think we're you know experts on this just because okay. we live in Kentucky right. and have but a horse. But here's what we know because we can read and Google this stuff. Yep, is that the horse not only was an eighty to one long shot, but I, I my understanding is you correct me if I'm wrong. This jockey has never had never won a major race and never run in the Derby before. And never, never ridden in the, in the Derby, Derby, but I think he's never won a major race from what I heard. Uh, Probably not. And the trainer had never trained a horse and run a major race. Who the trainers from our high school, by the way, Lafayette yeah. High School, and like graduated in between. Yeah, well, your class, and my about, class. So I, no wonder the horse won, him, but, though. I mean, yeah. came from our high school, proud of our alma mater. Yeah. 
And then the owner, I mean, the owner had a devastating loss about six years earlier, lost a whole bunch of horses in a fire in, in Lexington. And the trainer was involved in training those. Okay. So it was a loss for the trainer then, too. It was okay. like 23 yeah, out of 26 of horses, horses uh, yeah. perished Tragic in a barn fire. fire. Yeah. And so anyway, they got this horse. I mean, I, I, it's amazing, really, even though it was kind of a last-minute stand-in for another horse that pulled out still wonder they let this horse in the race i forgot the name already rich or something rich or yeah, rich strike rich strike okay uh-huh. yeah so anyway what do you know about this i mean i just I, oh that's the most of it um i know someone that uh, a man who owns horses and occasionally runs them and i asked him the other day i talked to him on the phone the other day i said do you know this guy he said yeah the trainer I said yeah he just lives up the road from me and and he said he normally gets kind of low-level horses and well, they, pay, they pay thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah it was a claim horse. And I don't understand. I asked well, him, well, "Okay, what does that mean?" They run this in the race, and they said, "If anyone wants to buy it for buy, X amount of dollars, it's yours." And I guess that's what and they so, do. They run the the horse for the purpose of selling it, and yeah. so every horse in that race can be bought. They saw this horse with thirty thousand, and that may sound like a lot of money, but for a race horse, that's yeah. like nothing. You know. Yeah. So, so this trainer was not. He's not known for you know high quality horses. He's known to kind of. You know, but a good guy, but makes a living off of just lower level. I don't know what the terms they would be, but lower quality horses, <laughs> starter horses. Lower, I don't, I don't know, but lower <laughs> don't quality know. races, and some of the, even the tracks that he would run in are not the major race tracks. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then he lo would. and behold, he shows up at the Derby and and, and, and the video it. is incredible. It is amazing. It, it is, it'll it, make it, a great movie. And it, oh, it'll be a movie. movie for sure. And you know, like you, I think you made this point too. The announcers are focused on the first the front two yeah. horses. And not even noticing that yeah. Rich Strike was like blasting by the other going right through them to come up and take this race to the last few moments. So anyway, it was pretty exciting in Kentucky. But uh, that, that was uh, so again, I asked, can your state do that? I so. say so anyway. All right, what else you got? Uh, okay, I do happen to remember what I was starting to say that you know, I mentioned earlier about the uh, you know pastor reverse discipleship help folks unlearn the last um, you know recently you know explain that a little bit well too. Every, I, mean, I don't know we don't have to, I mean every time right. I bring it up you say we need to explain well, that I don't I know think, that you just afraid okay, someone's going to be listening to it so. yeah maybe there's a first time listener okay. is that out of the question that maybe somebody <laughs> you think everybody's listening to all of our podcasts I like to be able well see you say recovering pastor all the time without explaining it people are going, okay yeah, what do you well, mean by recovering <laughs> pastor so I just don't feel like, I don't want to feel like I have to spend yeah, but the word a two minute explanation it, every time I use Okay. The title. <laughs> but the discipleship is kind of more of a theological term or a you know Bible term, and so we it's a lot for a lot of churches. Let me just say, okay, you me here that uh, for a lot of churches, discipleship is kind of the process where you have to do a whole bunch of stuff to be a better Christian, and so a lot of times those things that we pile on somebody does nothing really to grow them spiritually. It just kind of gives them more obligations. And after a while, they get discouraged. It ends up being an activity of the flesh along the lines yeah, of Galatians just, 3, just trying just to finish more, in the just, flesh yeah, while we started. Just doing a lot of stuff that you think pleases God. So anyway, go ahead. And so we uh, we help folks unlearn that. So yeah. that's the yeah. title, Pastor of Reverse Discipleship. Roger may not want to call himself that, but I like that term I, I'm for still myself. Having, so. I'm not quite grown. So you're the recovering pastor, yeah. and I'm the pastor of reverse discipleship. Yeah. All right. But what, what that leads me to say is in a recent podcast uh, with mom, you know, one of the things we got talking a little bit afterwards that was significant for her was the issue of what's commonly called eternal security. And that is not a teaching that you and I or her grew up believing uh, oh we not only we, that we, we were not we mocked it yeah yeah we were we were not taught that yeah. in bible college and all that but you know mom as w- when we got talking after the podcast was over you know she mentioned to us about what a significant thing that was to her that 
when she finally came to see that and grasp that issue that yes, once I am a child of God, that can never change and never will change. And there's security in that. And then there's rest in that. But in order for her to come to that conclusion, she had to discard, she had to reject what she had been taught. And that's all always her the life problem. Up until, and that is, that's and, always and so, the problem. And so, and it could be other areas for some people. It may not be that area. It's, it's not but, learning new stuff. That's the hard part in, in your faith. It's turning loose of the stuff that you're so invested in when it has to. And that's, I mean, that's hard for any of us yeah. to do. Yeah. And depends, you know, some are more vested in it than others. You know, if it, if it's a, someone who's still preaching and writing yeah. and teaching and all yeah. that stuff, I mean, that's really hard to oh. go back on what you've been taught. So it's yeah. a little easier from one, someone that hasn't already been publicly involved in that type of thing, but it's hard for anyone. And so I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I would encourage, you know, all of us, including ourselves, even at this point, you know, we should be open to the teaching of the Holy Spirit, even if it means something different than what we've... Oh, I think there is a certain been, kind so. of mindset that you go into this thinking, I just want this scripture to take me wherever it wants to take me. I don't want to predetermine where I think it should take me. And that's what I did with a lot of Bible verses. I mm-hmm. thought, well, this is what this has to mean, because we all know that, you know, it's all about what you do and your the stuff you do for God. And so I would interpret scripture through that lens where now as I tend to interpret Scripture through the lens of the gospel, the good news of what Christ has done for us, it does change everything. It's amazing how, and matter of fact, I may read one later on, how certain Scriptures now jump off the page at me that didn't before because they kind of just were tamped down by religion and they just didn't quite have the life or pizzazz to it that that it has to me now through the lens of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Now, one of those... I'll, I'll go in. I guess some other stuff I want to talk about, but I'll, I'll go ahead and bring this up now. That one of those is a verse, and had a conversation with a friend the other day online. That one of my posts, you know, I posted something online. I think it was the one on tithing. I posted, I, I shared a Paul Ellis article on tithing, and that led to some conversation. I'm not, anyway, I'm not sure if it was that one or another one. It doesn't matter though. But somebody else that I don't know, um, Okay, it wasn't that one. I remember now what it was. It wasn't that one. another one. We're talking about the different terms that Paul would use for the recipients of his letters and all that. Somebody that I'd never met before was not on my friend list, but evidently was a friend of a friend, and that's how they saw it or something like that. Some guy you know, basically says, amen, that's right. But then he mentioned a couple sentences that you could just tell he was a little uncomfortable with what I was saying. You know, It was just like he wanted to throw something in there about, obedience and about and you know we're not against obedience there's but, always you know, a but to there. yeah and it's kind of like christian he's talking but, about yes, yeah. yes jesus and he mentioned the sermon on the mount that jesus and the sermon on the mount is basically you know now that you've heard this you need to do it so it basically it was saying yes you're, you're right that's the right order we we have our identity we know who we are then we need to do this which is you yeah. know right. but you could tell and and it's i decided retroactive works yeah that yeah well we talked about that yeah. at one point but you know, as if, you know, there's still an obligation. He just pushed the obligation right, later on, but it's still end. obligation. Right. Yeah. Right. But, um, and I decided not to comment on that because I thought, and uh, tell me what you think of this analogy. Um, I knew where it would end up. I knew what verse he would end up bringing up. And I decided that, and I'll, I'll refer to it here in a second, but um, that John fourteen fifteen is the, is to the discussion of law and grace, what third base was to Abbott and Costello. 
Do you, do you remember the who's on first routine yeah, with Adam I don't have it memorized. I have a vague well it is, in, yeah. in that you know of course the first baseman's name was who the second yeah. baseman's name was what what you know who's on the first mm-hmm. yeah who's well what's the guys know what's the you know all that what's on second well yeah. the third baseman's name was I don't know okay and so they would get arguing back and forth and the one that didn't know what was going on was say I don't know and the other one would go third base and that happened repeatedly and it's kind of like both of them were finally catching on Okay, and, and, and no matter what they were arguing about, it always wound up back on, I don't know, third base. Third base. And so when you get in an online long grace discussion, I think John 14 and 15 is the third base. Yeah, the, It always ends up at third base, and that's where Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. Now, right. you know, I didn't comment on this one the other day, so we never got that far. Yeah. I just, well, I mean, we didn't get anywhere because I didn't reply at all, but... You know, that's where, and so that's one of those verses, like you said, that you can read it different ways. And that was really, and so you can read that as a obligation, almost a threat. You know, if you love me, you will keep my commandments as opposed to just a promise, um, just a statement of fact. And, and then and the question becomes, what are the commandments? I don't want to get into all that particular verse that much time, but, you know, what is he talking about? He's not talking about the old covenant laws and things like that and then basically commandments in first john three or believe in jesus and love one another but that's a you know it often ends up going there so anyway that's the uh will you mean comment so what, on that or not yeah, if you want, so that's what the third base was to abbott costello i think the john 14 15 verses is where you those discussions often end up going. okay first so, of all i believe thought? that if you love god you love jesus you'll keep his commandments okay mm-hmm. but that isn't that isn't a prerequisite for salvation right i mean it is you know you know Obeying the Lord does come out of a life of love, and I would say that love comes out of the fact which says that he loved us, not that we loved him, comes out of receiving his love. We love him, and a lot of times we do do things, but it's still not if you don't, you can't put all that together and you don't keep the commandments, it does not negate the gospel. Yeah. The gospel is still the good news of what he did for you, not what you do for him. And I think this probably person probably, you know, I'm putting words in his mouth because we didn't get this far at all, but didn't get anywhere. But, you know, I think he would probably agree with a lot of that. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, it's not to do with salvation, but. Well, okay. You know, so, but I mean, into, I, I can, you know, I think obedience has come out of love. You know, there's times when I will do certain things, like, not because I have to or because mm-hmm. I'm obligated to or to keep my relationship with God, but I just, I love God. So, I think, okay, I want to do it that way. I have no problem with that. Couple, want to tell you about a couple of things. One, I know I haven't told you about. The other one, I can't remember if I told you about it or not. But these are times where I had the opportunity to talk to someone that I hadn't planned, and both wound up very good situations. Did I tell you about the one the other night where I met someone online? Uh, I think he started listening to our podcast, so he may be listening now. First name Rob. Um, we had a mutual friend on Facebook, and so. We were both commenting. We were both agreeing with what each other says. I had never seen him before on Facebook. I don't think he'd ever seen me. But evidently, he got looking. He said, well, I see you're from Nicholasville. So I'm not sure why. Well, Nicholasville, maybe he looked at the Fields Brothers at thing or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Sam, got you and I mixed up. But um, So I'm from Lexington, which is right in you know, Nicholasville and Lexington. Are you're right from next the to big other. city. So I'm from the more rural there. area that where the common yeah, A lot of people lives. laugh about Lexington being the big city. But anyway. Yeah. Well, um, and so he said, uh, so we, you know, we commented back and forth on, on the post. Uh, so this is not a messenger. This is on the, you know, the public post and all this stuff. He said, well, I'm, I drive a, he drives a type of delivery truck, not the huge 18 wheeler, but a smaller truck kind of for, and he said, I'm, I'm staying in Georgetown tonight. Would you want to get together tonight or in the morning? Did, had I told you about this? No, I don't think so. This is like two or three weeks ago. 
And um, I said, well, I can meet in the morning. And um, so it's like, like a Friday, Thursday or Friday morning. So we met a Cracker Barrel out on Newtown Pike at huh. like 730 in the morning. Just had a great time. Great conversation. He's from Michigan. Well, of course. You met a Cracker Barrel at 730 in the morning. Of course, it would be a godly so meeting. Ground there, I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that just, okay. But I mean, that would just neat to where, you know, when Jesus says, I will build my church, I think that's at least part of what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, assembling. Build a church, you assemble parts of a building and we're each part of a building and so you know we've all had the experience of meeting you know being out of town or on vacation and meeting up with someone that we find out's a believer and have a great conversation and it's just great to be able to talk when there's no agenda involved yeah. there's no organization involved and so i mean you have to we, take up we, an offering right, appoint a we, committee he <laughs> didn't have to uh but um and so that was very encouraging the other one and i know i hadn't talked to you about this but um a couple sunday nights ago and uh, Teresa and I, uh, we'd eaten at a, eaten out on a sunny night, and we passed the um, the frozen yogurt place, the Orange Leaf. Yeah, you, you've been there. Yeah. So it's a local frozen yogurt place, and um, but I I've been there for a long time. It's the one over there off Nicholasville Road near the Walmart and all that. And um and so we drove by it on our way to eat, and I said, Is that place even still open? And we looked, yeah, there's a bunch of people in there, so evidently still open. So we ate, and then came back there, and we thought we'll get some frozen yogurt afterwards. So we we walk in this place. And um, a lady with her son is sitting there, uh, already have theirs, and they're eating. And they and they said hi. They go, hi, Teresa. And then I realized, okay, this is someone we know. Then I realized it was someone that grew up in Stanton, where I used to preach in Stanton Christian Church. Now, there's the big city for you right there. <laughs> yeah, Stanton. there. So about okay. an hour from here. Yeah, smaller towns where I preach. I was pastor from 1983 to that, 93. That town makes Nicholasville so, look like the big city. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right. But anyway, so um, uh young mother and her little and her nine-year-old son were there and um, they spoke up and said hi jeff and and you know she was a little girl when i was in stanton i mean she was like 10 years old i think when i we moved away so i never knew her as an adult i knew her parents mm-hmm. um and then we were back several years ago and they had me preach one time and um we talked to her some then but i haven't had zero contact for several years so, i mean that's like the only contact we've had with her since we left in 1993 and that wasn't a whole lot of contact that day and zero since then. So anyway, we, and she gets down, she's going through a challenging time, uh, in the marriage right now, but she had her son there with her nine year old son. And she said, just within the last few days, she said her son had been asking about being baptized. And this young lady, this young mother told her mom, and, and I'd forgotten this, but she told me that I baptized her this now, mom, I baptized her when she baptized her when she was nine years old in Stanton at the Christian church there, and um, said I was telling mom the other day that he'd been asking that my son had been talking about being baptized, and I told her it just wouldn't seem right if anybody other than Jeff Fields baptized huh. him. We hadn't seen her for years, wow. had no zero contact, wow. and then she that comes up in her home. She makes that comment to her mom, lives you know back where her mom lives. And then, like a few days later, Teresa and I walk in to Orange Leaf, wow, and she's that is, sitting there. That is pretty interesting. And so, yeah. and wow. I said, "Well, I." And so I told her about uh, Mark Dunn and Macedonia Christian Church. She lives here in Lexington now. She lives kind of on that part of Lexington and looking oh. actually for a for a congregation. Oh, wow. And uh, I said, "Well, I, I'd be glad to." And you know, we set a time to talk and let me know. And I said, "I'm pretty sure I can talk to Mark and arrange to have a, a baptistry." Yeah, set up. So you know that that's open ended right now. So it hadn't happened. Well, that is pretty but cool. That I is, admit, and so cool. yeah. Uh, I mean, we all left there thinking, okay, um, 
yeah, I don't think this was a coincidence yeah. to line up that. But that, well, that, that is, is really cool. cool. I have to admit that's When stuff cool. like that happens. I've got a few other random or a few other thoughts here. Do you got anything else before well, you want let me, me to just, move? Yeah, let me just lay a scripture on you here that, that just kind of struck me, okay? Um, and there you go. This is one of those things that I don't know how many times I've read this, but, you know, you, I mean, the word of you know, Scripture is alive, and it just kind of just came, came alive to me. But, you know, but asking this question, real simple question is how do you grow? Mm-hmm. I mean, in grace, we, we say we, you grow in grace, you grow in knowledge, okay? But so the question becomes, do you actually progress? I mean, are you – now, we know we're complete yeah. in Christ. We're completely accepted. We're totally God's kids. We don't have to do anything to be more accepted, to be more loved, to be more anything. So the question is, do you still progress in this? Or do you just kind of stay the same with just maybe realizing more of what you have? Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of growth is realizing more of what you have. But let me give you a scripture. Um, this is in Second Corinthians. And there again, I had never quite seen it this way before. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. But if you start, if you read this on your own, start with back at verse 5. And we're going to do a running start to get to verse 18. What like, chapter? This is in Second Corinthians chapter 3. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm sorry. Three chapter chamber. 3. And he talks about we are sufficient of the new covenant. So that's kind of the theme of this, the new covenant. He said that you know that Moses' glory faded; our glory mm-hmm. does not fade. Okay, and then he talks about down in the towards the end of that the, those scripture those verses. It says that we um, the spirit of the Lord is, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Okay, then here's the statement: as we all with unveiled face, okay, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is a spirit. So here's what jumped out at me is that, first of all, you just behold the Lord and what he has done for you and who he is. And when you do that, you are being still being transformed. I mean, you do mm-hmm. grow or whatever you can, however you want to explain this transformation process but it seems like it's a promise to me you are being transformed. And so I would say to people that, you know, do you want to progress? I don't know how you want to grow. I mean, you're not growing closer to God. You're not growing more acceptable to him. But you are still being transformed. I think that's kind of cool. Romans 12 talks about being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So that and so comes to there mind. is a transformation that happens. <clears throat> now, I would say that's it's more in your, in your soul. Mm-hmm. Your spirit, your spirit is is the real you, and it's completely born again, completely acceptable to God. Um, that's the part that's uh, it's just fused together, it's combined together with with God's spirit. Um, and I have a whole another theory. I may save it for another podcast, but I have a whole another theory about exactly how to think of the soul. But for now. Um, I just think the idea that when you behold the glory of the Lord, you are being transformed. And so it's not something we have to take on as a no. No, it's not a, a work. burdensome it's not, task. No, okay, I've got to make sure no. I get transformed. No, we just you know we it, we just rest in Christ. Yeah, we look to yeah. Him, and it's a promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah you are being transformed because that does that bothers a lot of people about grace when they hear too much about grace and yeah. resting. They're thinking, okay, they're really okay, ever are you talking about no? You don't even grow anymore. Yeah. You don't, yeah. and so they see it as a um, spiritual couch potato. You just kind of sitting potato, there. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it's it reminds me of Matthew six that I think it's applicable when Jesus talks about not worrying. You know, I think, you know, you could say the same thing about spiritual growth. You know, yeah. don't worry about your right. spiritual growth. I right. mean, you know, and, and a lot of this is growth together. You know, I think uh, 
we've talked about this before that it's you know the growth of the body together yeah. so well and think of it in terms of okay like back when we used to pastor uh, you know, you, we all want our churches to grow, not just num- numerically, but we want to, people to grow spiritually. You want mm-hmm. people to be, you know, you want them to go somewhere spiritually. Yeah. And so the issue becomes, well, how do you do that? Well, the temptation is we got to get them to do more stuff. We got to yeah. get them in a Bible. How do you know? Plan. What's how do you the know? gauge? How are you, you going to? Yeah, why, how do you do this? Yeah. But the more you just talk about what Christ has done for us and get them to look at that, the growth just happens. The yeah. transformation happens. Yeah, I mean, preaching becomes really simple. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, oh, you yeah. just proclaim Christ. That that's also mentioned, I think, right. in chapter four, Second right. Corinthians. We proclaim Him. Right. We don't proclaim what you need to do. We don't proclaim how to do this or that. We proclaim a person. And the growth, have, the transformation, have, you are being transformed. We direct people's attention to that. So, so I kind of like that. Um, let me wrap this up on, and this relates back to the the conversation I had at Cracker Barrel, and I, and um, I haven't stated this out as much as I would like, but one thing that came out of that discussion, it, came, it was from the, the Facebook discussion the night before and then talking with him. His name is Rob. He had done a lot of the idea of how much the gospel is in the prophets or the Old Testament in general, but specifically the prophets. So, so I'm going to read a verse to you here. It's at the end of Romans, chapter 16. Now to him who is, so verses 25 and 26, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. So this whole revelation of Christ kept secret, verse 26, but now has been made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures has been made known to all nations. And there's another verse, that's one I was looking at, the first of the podcast, and I never did find, I think I want to say St. Peter somewhere, but that there are verses of the New Testament, and there's like three or four different ones that talk about specifically the prophets, foretold in the prophets. And and he shared with me a couple of scriptures that he's come across in Isaiah that, you know, we've always thought, yeah, the, you know, the, Jesus is in the Old Testament. And we immediately think of Isaiah 53 and, mm-hmm. you know, some major passages. But what it made me aware of, it's all through the Old Testament, all yeah, through that's the prophets. A great point. And that kind of when you look away, at the Old, just kind of tucked a lot away. Of it, it's hidden. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. It's, and it's the spirit that reveals that to us. And one of the things he pointed out that was a great point in the the road to Emmaus story, you know, yeah. Jesus meets yep. with the disciples. Right. And I remember that it says that he opened the scriptures all pertaining to him, right. you know, from, I think it says from the law and the prophets or Moses through mm-hmm. the prophets or whatever. But one thing that, uh, that my new friend pointed out, you know, that later on it says when they were talking about, you know, he opened the scriptures, did not our hearts burn, right? You know, their hearts didn't burn just when they met Jesus, mm-hmm. their hearts didn't burn at other times during that event. The time where their hearts burned is where he opened Moses and their prophets, and they saw Christ in all that. And so it gave yeah. me a new yeah. interest in, like, Isaiah, for example, reading yeah. through Isaiah. And he showed me a couple passages that when if you really look for the gospel in there, yeah. it is all through there. Yeah, and it is, is amazing. pretty cool. And that is, yeah. That is, that is really pretty cool. It does make you want to kind of go back and read over through some of the prophets. That, uh, and I have, you know, John eight fifty six. Jesus talked about Abraham. Abraham, you know, this is obviously not the prophets, but Abraham saw Jesus. It says, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced in it. Yeah. How did Abraham see Jesus' day? Yeah. But I mean, that's just, I, I mean, basically the whole testament is about the gospel as well. Yeah. It's just, it was just, it was just veiled. It was hidden yeah. and yeah. then unveiled when uh, Jesus came. Right.